1: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
0: Real love is calling, Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you
2: with every sunrise. You will hear in some circles, it is Jesus plus water baptism. It is Jesus plus speaking in tongues. It is Jesus plus penance. It is Jesus plus works all this kind of stuff that in essence has perverted the the truth of the gospel of christ because anytime you add anything to the simplicity of the message of christ you've just now made it a works-oriented system and you have nullified grace and it is by grace are we saved this is through faith faith that god has given us not of works This
1: is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Galatians. One of man's most prevalent sins is that of pride. Instead of attempting to eliminate it, we've embraced it and labeled it as a noble attribute. When you come to Christ, you have to die to yourself. That means that prideful sense of self-reliance must die too. As Pastor Gary reminds us in today's message, as long as you attempt to earn or maintain your salvation through any religious piety or good works, you will consistently fall short. It is only when you completely rely on Christ's work on the cross that you can experience the fullness of salvation. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the Book of Galatians, chapter 2, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Up and up and up, jump in your cornerstones, your connection run towards your new life.
2: For those of you who weren't here last week, just a brief reminder about where we are heading into the book of Galatians. It is perhaps Paul's first epistle that he wrote around 49 A.D. just following his first missionary journey. Uh, Galatia is a province of Asia Minor. So when we are reading the letter to the churches of Galatia, we're talking about churches that Paul established in this province, this region. So kind of think of it as, you know, Loudoun County. We live in Loudoun County. Well, within Loudoun County, you have Leesburg, you have Percival, you have Ashburn, you have different cities, different towns. So Galatia is a province in what would be modern-day Turkey, Paul visited, we know from the book of Acts, the towns of Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Derbe, and Lystra, and it was here that different churches were planted. And Paul is now writing back to the, church, the churches of Galatia uh, because he's concerned about the influence that they've been under uh, concerning false teachers who have crept into the church and tried to persuade them against what Paul has been saying. And what Paul has been saying is a message of grace And there are some who have come into the churches of Galatia, and they aren't teaching the message of grace. They believe in Jesus as the way to salvation, but they believe that it's Jesus plus the Jewish laws and the Jewish customs. And so Galatians is Paul's treatise against the law as a means of salvation. The Jews who were perverting, that's the word that Paul uses back in chapter 1, verse 7. He said some are trying to throw you into confusion, and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Those who were perverting the gospel of Christ were coming in and saying that salvation through Jesus, yes, but it is salvation through Jesus plus, plus the dietary law of the Jews, plus circumcision, plus the Sabbath, plus the feasts. And as I mentioned last week, salvation is not Jesus plus. Salvation is Jesus only. And any time you add something to the pure and simple message of the plan of salvation, which is faith in Jesus Christ and what He did by dying on a cross, taking our punishment intended for us on Himself, if you believe in that, then you're saved. But if you believe in that plus something else for salvation, then you've perverted the gospel. And so the Jews in Paul's day were saying it's Jesus plus salvation. Those who at least accepted that Jesus was the Messiah. There were Jews who were saying Jesus plus circumcision, dietary kosher laws, Sabbath, uh, obedience and observance and, and all this stuff. And as I mentioned last week, that we have a modern version of this. You know, there are some churches who will teach in some sects of Christianity, which in some sense has perverted the true meaning of Christianity. They've added to the simplicity and the purity of the gospel. It is, you will hear in some circles, it is Jesus plus water baptism. It is Jesus plus speaking in tongues. It is Jesus plus penance. It is Jesus plus works. All of this kind of stuff that in essence has perverted the the truth of the gospel of Christ. Because anytime you add anything to the simplicity of the message of Christ, you've just now made it a works-oriented system and you have nullified grace. Grace. And it is by grace are we saved. This is through faith, faith that God has given us, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so Paul emphasizes grace 120 times throughout his epistles. Eight times in particular he mentions, I'm talking about the word grace mentioned 120 times in the course of his epistles. Eight times he mentions it just here in the book of Galatians. And as I also mentioned last week, the difference between justice, mercy, and grace is that justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But grace is over and above that. It's getting what we don't deserve. And this is what God has given us. And that's why Paul uses this word grace. Again, that acronym can stand for God's riches at Christ's expense, that God has lavished upon us what we don't deserve. He's given us forgiveness. What did we deserve, true or false? We deserve hell. True or False. True, we deserve hell because in our wickedness and in our sinfulness and our rebellion against God, we deserve hell. That would be justice. But God, in His love for us, has, has demonstrated His grace in that while we were still sinners, this is His love demonstrated for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and so we are recipients of His grace. He's doing a tremendous, incredible, immeasurable favor for us. That while we deserve hell, we deserve punishment, God chose providentially, I'll put. All of our punishment, the sins of the world, i put them on my son Christ on the cross. He bears our sins for us. He takes on the punishment intended for us. And Isaiah says, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. In other words, we are made whole. And that wholeness, that forgiveness, that wholeness and the assurance of heaven when we die is all the message of grace. I remember the words of Charles Spurgeon when he instructed his students when they were preaching about heaven. He said, Let your face light up with joy. He says, When you speak about hell, just your normal face will do. (laughs) So I hope my face is lit up when I talk about this because heaven is a wonderful place that we will all go who know Christ as our Lord and Savior, who believe in his finished work on the cross. And it, it really has nothing to do with what we've done, it has everything to do with what he has done. You know, Christianity is very different from all other world religions. All other world religions are about what man can do to reach God. What man can do to reach God, to impress God, to get him to love us, to to try to win his favor, to, to try to earn heaven. All other world religions is about what man can do for God. Christianity is about what God has done for man. And we cannot improve upon that. Because it is sufficient in its entirety. That's why Jesus said it is finished. So this is what Paul writes about. So I don't know what perhaps might be your struggle because we all have different backgrounds. Some of you have church backgrounds. Some of you have no church backgrounds. And uh, some of our church backgrounds, if you have one, um, can lead us to believe that there are certain things we have to do to improve upon the message of the cross. And it's subtle. It's subtle things. Um, But a lot of times being a good person and doing good things is attached to the requirement of going to heaven. And so we need to kind of shed some of the misperceptions about Christianity, about belief, and about faith. And we need to embrace just the simplicity of the cross and what Christ has done for us. So this this is what Paul is writing here this whole letter to the churches of Galatia uh, about this whole concept of grace and justification. We'll talk about this later tonight, justification by faith and what it means to really be saved and uh, and how it is that God has done all this on our behalf and we just respond to what he has done on our behalf. So in chapter 2. He, he, he says in verse 1, 14 years later, now he's talking about 14 years after his initial conversion, and Paul had a dramatic conversion experience on the road to Damascus, Syria, where he was going to persecute Christians, uh, even to their death. 14 years after that conversion, when Christ appears to him, and then he receives Jesus as his Savior, he says, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. So circle those two names, Barnabas and Titus. Just a quick background on these two guys. Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. He was a Jewish believer. In fact, the Bible says he was of the tribe of Levi. He was a native of Cyprus, an island off the coast of uh, Lebanon. And um, he was Paul's traveling companion for his first missionary journey. They had an argument Uh, In the second missionary journey, so they parted ways. Sometimes even people in the body of Christ can have disagreements, and they did. They had a disagreement. They parted ways, but they covered twice as much territory. So some look at it and say, I'm not sure it was really all that uh, much of an argument when the kingdom was expanded in in twice uh, the the extent. Uh, He mentions Titus here also. Titus, uh, his name means honorable. He's a Greek believer. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. And he is Paul's traveling companion as well. He later becomes the pastor of the church in Crete, which is an island south of Greece. And uh, there is an epistle in our New Testaments named for him, Paul's letter to Titus. That's the same guy that we're talking about here in Galatians chapter 2. So, Paul is on his way here to Jerusalem. Now, he's telling a story to the churches of Galatia because he wants them to understand how he's had to confront this whole stuff about works and the law in conflict with the message of grace before. So he's writing to the churches of Galatia. He says, listen, let me just tell you my experience with this before. He says, one day, I was on my way to Jerusalem. I had Barnabas with me and Titus with me. He says, verse 2, I went in response to a revelation which we're not exactly sure what that revelation is that he's referring to, and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Now, what he's talking about there is at the end of chapter 1, he talks about how some didn't originally accept him because when you are zealous for persecuting Christians and then all of a sudden you become one, people might be a little skeptical of you. And so Paul says here, I kind of went discreetly and privately among the leaders who were there. I wanted to do this discreetly because I didn't want to cause problems for them because other people would say, who, why are you associated with that Paul guy? So he says, I, I was doing this privately. So, you know, I, I love this example because he knew that he was in the right. He knew that he was legitimately a believer in Christ, and he could have just kind of gone into Jerusalem blazing with both barrels, you know, loaded, and he could have just been like, I'm a believer. I saw Christ. I, I'm a Christian now. I don't care that I used to persecute Christians. I'm legit. Accept me, you know, and made a stink about it. Instead, he goes privately and discreetly because, listen, friends, sometimes you, you might be right, but you don't need to be rude. It's okay to be right, but there's a right way to be right. Paul knew that he was right, but he didn't need to be rude about this. He goes in privately. He says in verse 3 Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. Let me read verse 4 and I'll come back to that. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. And to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. So circle the term there, false brothers, there in verse four. The matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks. Those of you taking notes, the false brothers he's referring to are a group of people called Judaizers. And the Judaizers were those who believed that Jesus was the way, so to their credit, they got that part right. But they were the plus people. They were the Jesus plus people. They were, okay, we believe that Jesus is the way, but Jesus also is required for salvation plus. And circumcision was one of the Jewish rites that the Judaizers believed that everybody had to practice, every male, let me qualify that, every male had to practice in order to be a legitimate Christian. So they were were holding this particular Jewish rite as attached to Christianity. It's Jesus plus circumcision. So Paul is using this story to the churches of Galatia, saying, let me tell you a story. I went to Jerusalem, I had Barnabas, and I had Titus with me. By the way, Titus was a Greek. He was a Gentile. So back in the day, Gentiles were not circumcised. Today, uh, in, in America at least, most males are circumcised kind of more as a matter of hygienic reasons than anything else. But back in the day, it was strictly reserved for Jews as a sign of the covenant. And by the way, circumcision might seem like a little bizarre thing. Why would God choose that particular thing to be a sign of the covenant? You know, couldn't he have just said, why don't you just take off the fingernail of your pinky, you know, and maybe let's do it that way. But he chose this. And here's the reason why. The knife was put to the place of reproduction so that the people of God would always remember that they were his children that they were a people belonging to God. So that's why. It seems a little awkward. It seems a little bit like, why that? A cutting away of the flesh was a, a perpetual reminder from generation to generation that you are not a people of this earth. You are not to be a people of this world. You were to cut away this part of the flesh as a reminder at the place of procreation and reproduction that you are a people who belong to God. Now, the Gentiles were not therefore circumcised. Titus is a Greek, he's a Gentile, but he is a believer. He's come to faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is using this example, he says to the churches of Galatia, I took a Gentile with me, he wasn't circumcised, okay, and he said, this matter arose, because some false brothers, some Judaizers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. So these Judaizers were coming and saying, this Titus kid, he, he he's not a legitimate believer. Oh, he might believe in Jesus. Okay, but he doesn't have the other part down. He needs to be circumcised. Paul says, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Now, there's a passage in Acts. If you'll just hold your place there in Galatians and go to the left a little bit, back to the book of Acts. I want you to notice with me chapter 15 of Acts, where, where this whole discussion came up among the council of, at Jerusalem. Now, let me explain a little bit about the council of Jerusalem while you're turning there to Acts 15. After Jesus ascended into heaven, he entrusted his ministry and in, he entrusted the church to originally, Acts chapter 2, 120. Those were, those were believers, those were followers, those were disciples. And as the church began to grow numerically and spiritually, uh, like anything that can grow, uh, you need to have some oversight, lest in the natural course of growth, it becomes this monstrosity that it was never intended to be. Not in terms of size, but in terms of veering to the left or veering to the right and getting off course. So there was a council established in the early church at Jerusalem among some of the original 12 apostles who gave oversight to doctrine and gave oversight to the early church to make sure that we're, we're you know, we're, 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 we're staying on the straight and narrow, we're not, we're not digressing from truth and, and distorting doctrine, okay? So there was this council who gave oversight and the council of Jerusalem is going to be faced with this question. Is it Jesus only or is it Jesus plus? And here in Acts chapter 15, here's, here's the story that Paul's referring to. In verse 1, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So that's what they're teaching. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenician Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, and in particular we're talking the Judaizers, stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Well, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up. Now, please note this, because I'm going to refer back to this story. Peter gets up here in the middle of the council of Jerusalem, and he addressed them, "'Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe.'" For those of you taking notes in the margin of your Bible, you might just want to write Acts chapter 10. He's referring to that moment when he goes to the house of Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile, and Peter preaches the gospel and the first Gentiles get saved. So Peter now stands up in the assembly here of the council of Jerusalem. He says, you guys might remember a little while ago, back in Acts chapter 10, I led the first Gentiles to the Lord And he said in verse 9, he, God, made no distinction between us and them. uh, Sorry, verse 8, I skipped verse 8. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He, God, made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke literally mitzvot and law, that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the what? Grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Now, this is profound. Let me have your attention. This is profound. This is a Jew. This is Peter standing up in the council of Jerusalem and saying to his fellow Jews, listen, we just have to be real about this. God is saving Gentiles just like he is saving Jews. And he's saving Gentiles just like he's saving Jews because of faith in Jesus. That is the only basis. It is by grace that we are saved. This is a gracious gift from God that we can receive. So Peter says Gentiles are getting saved just like Jews. So if that's the case, why are we imposing Jewish rites, traditions, and customs onto the Gentiles? Because they got saved just like we did by receiving the message of grace. So now Paul, back here in Galatians, go back to Galatians, now Paul is referring back to this event, and he's saying to the churches of Galatia, we've been around this barn, and let me just tell you how it went down in Jerusalem. We met, we discussed this, we talked about circumcision. So I want you Galatians to know, it is not a requirement. It's not Jesus plus circumcision, it's just Jesus. Just receive Jesus and accept what he's done for you on the cross, that's good enough despite the fact that Judaizers, these false teachers, are coming and saying to you that it is Jesus plus, I'm telling you, Paul is, by the authority of the Lord, and to let you know that this was agreed upon also by the council of Jerusalem, it's not required to be circumcised. So stop believing this nonsense. And so back here in Galatians chapter 2, He says in verse 6, As for those who seemed to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me, God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. So Paul makes this statement here that Paul himself was predominantly called to the Gentiles, although it tells us in Scripture that he would go first to the Jews and then to the Gentile. He would go first to them, but yet his ultimate message was to the Gentiles, while Peter, on the other hand, his purpose was mainly to the Jews, although in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius Gentiles. So they weren't exclusively only Jews or Gentiles, but predominantly Paul's ministry was to Gentiles, Peter's ministry was to the Jews.
1: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection, and that we were able to dig into the book of Galatians together. Did you know that you can download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you anywhere you take your phone? That way, you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary studies, and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you in person at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, too. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m., or join us for our Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to shake your hand and answer any questions you may have about the study, about Cornerstone Chapel, or about how you can have a relationship with God. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can listen to additional teachings from this study or read accompanying resources on our site as well. Just look under the Teachings tab. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time to continue studying Galatians, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul
2: That you've got no place to go But still you know still you know You're not alone